we're starting a sermon series, and those of you who know me know this is the kind of sermon series that I totally dig. I've got a creative side of me. It's kind of what I do for a living outside of uh, preaching here. And um, I love these big thoughts, and I needed this sermon series, to be honest with you. Um, Sometimes I preach sermons based on what I hear is going on, and sometimes I preach based on what I feel is going on. And so this sermon series is sort of for me um, and and for you as well. But um, I have been re-energized this week because of studying and watching and and reading and whatever I'm doing to get ready for this, and I know you're going to be too. But here's the thing. We do this every week here, have for nine years since I've been coming, since I've been preaching here. We take a moment to get a deep breath because if we don't, you will listen to this sermon and you'll walk out of here feeling the same thing that you always feel. If you don't stop for a moment, if you don't get a pause in your life for a moment and turn down the noise in your life, you will miss something important. It got quiet, didn't it? Because none of you want to miss it, do you? Uh, You're sitting here for a half hour. You might as well get something, right? Half hour, 40 minutes, whatever. Um, and so here's, here's what, this is the way God has designed you and me. We're going to learn a lot about this today, by the way. But this is the way God has designed not just you and me, but the entire universe. He is creator of all things, and today that's going to be more to you at the end of this service, maybe than ever has in your life. It is starting to to me. He is creator of all things, and when he created it, this is amazing. If you created it, if I created all these things, we would create it so we're, we are the loudest, most important, the, the most in charge thing in all of the universe. God is, and he created it that way, but he doesn't, he doesn't have a ego like we have so he doesn't need to be the loudest all the time if he wanted to speak to you today you know we say that christians say that if you're not a christian or you're kicking the tires you're listening online you've heard christians say god spoke to me and nobody really knows what that means so i try not to say it too much because i don't really he's never spoken to me audibly i feel like i would wet my pants if he did and he could cause me he could call he could scare me to death at any moment but he chooses usually not to And the Bible says this, it says that when God speaks, he doesn't speak in a loud voice, he speaks in a still, small, quiet voice. See what happened when I did that? You know what you had to do? You had to shut up to hear me. You had to stop for a minute. This is why God speaks in a still, small voice. Not because he's still or small, but because you are too loud and noisy. So you, right now, whatever you're feeling, Whatever you are, if you're in the car, don't close your eyes. You're listening online. But stop. Get quiet. Some of you, it's really, really hard because things are so bad right now. Some of you, it's really, really hard because things are so good right now. Most of us are in the middle somewhere, and things are so loud that we will miss if we don't get quiet. So right now, this is what we do. Every week, we're going to take a minute, which seems like a really long time. In fact, I have to kind of watch a watch up here to make sure it's a minute because it feels like five minutes. A minute of quiet this morning. Nothing going on so that you and God can get right. If you've never done this before, if you haven't done this for a while, this is all you need to say to God. I'm quiet. Because he hears your heart. He sees your heart. Just, I'm quiet. So let's get quiet. I'll close this and then we'll jump right into this today.
God, in the quiet of this room right now in this place, we pause our life. If we had a big remote control, we'd hit the pause button. Some people still haven't. God, we just pause. And even if even those in the room and those that are listening don't believe for sure that you're there, we pause anyway. God, the junk, the residue that re- religion has caused in us, the thought that we have to do something to earn your love, the rules that churches make up and preachers talk about that were never part of your plan. God, all of those we suspend right now just to get a pause in our lives to hear from the one who created us. For this moment, we give up whatever control we thought we had over our lives. Would you whisper into our hearts and our lives, whatever that means, however that works, we're quiet so that we can hear. Do the same for me. I'm about to say things that are huge that could change the way people think about you. If I'm wrong, hit me with something. Whatever it takes, stop me at all costs if I'm wrong. If I'm right, penetrate the hearts of the people that are here, myself included, so that we don't forget who you are and who we are because of you. It's because of Jesus we're here. It's in his name we pray, amen. My son and I were fishing one day, which has become more and more important to me in my life. My son and fishing, both. Um, on Shackamack Lake, which is a big part of my life. We've been going there since I was a kid. And, and I, on vacation, I do this at Shackamack. We rent a cabin. The whole family goes out. And I get up early every morning. For most of my family, with the exception of my mom and my son, we, they all like to sleep in. That is vacation to them. You know, don't get me up before 8 or I'm not on vacation. That's the way a lot of my family feels. For me, I'm on vacation. Get me up at 5 because I want to get as much as possible out of it. I can sleep anytime. I want to be free on vacation. So I get up as early as I possibly can. Allison was there last year. I'm, I'm up at 4, 4.45, 5 o'clock in the morning. As soon as there's a hint of light, I'm in the boat. The, we park the boat right up next to the cabin, so I don't even have to launch it. It's awesome. And it's a ranger bass boat. My, my family, my brother and my dad are bass fishermen at fish tournaments, so they've got all the gear. All, everything's waiting for me. They charge the batteries, and it's just me and the boat and the lake and the fish and God. And I remember this one specific morning. I'll never forget it. I was out fishing on the lake, and it's a small enough lake. I was catching fish, and I was trying more about catching fish, and I wasn't even looking around me. And I hear my, my buddy boy, Reese, five years old at that point. He woke up, and he's loud enough you can hear him all over the lake. Mom, did Dad go out without me? <laughs> now, Risha, my wife, is, is the kind of person that vacation means sleeping past 8. So she was not happy that he was waking her up. It was 6 o'clock by that point. She said, just go get him. Go down to the dock. He'll find you. Well, I knew. I could already hear the whole conversation from the cabin. So I started off towards the dock. And I thought, well, there goes my morning, my quiet morning. Because Reese, everything with Reese is a question. Dad, why this? Why that? How come this? How come that? So I picked him up at the dock, and he was sitting there with his, just sitting cross-legged, waiting for me when I got to the dock. And talking so loud, ruined the quiet, you know. And we got going across the lake, and he, there's a cove that he likes. The fish are smaller, but there are a bunch of them. And I knew he could catch one. So we went to that cove. And as we came around the corner, 
If you're a fisherman or if you just like the water and you like the outdoors, you know exactly what I mean. Nothing, nothing in the world is like being on the water at sunrise. As we came around that corner, the sun was coming up in that cove. It was like the sun was built for that moment. Like the rest of the world didn't exist. And Reese and I and the cove and the sun and God was all there was. We came around the corner and I thought, like a preacher, I'm going to use this moment for spiritual growth in my five-year-old. And I came around the corner and I started saying, buddy, look what God has, and I got that far and he goes, dad, shh. And I looked up and I needed a five-year-old shush because I wasn't even looking at the wonder of what was in front of me. And Reese and I turned the trolling motor off and we just drifted into that cove. And I watched the creator of the universe bring a fiery ball of mass gas up above the earth so that my son and I could understand how big God was. It's called wonder. Many of you have lost it. Wonder, the definition of wonder in the dictionary, which I don't do this very often, but I, I want you to see what wonder is in English. Wonder is a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. This is from the dictionary.com. If you use it as a verb, it can be a desire, it's a desire or uh, desire or be curious to know something. This is it, you doing something. It's you desiring or, or being curious about something. You could also feel admiration and amazement and marvel and be in wonder. The deal about wonder is it's what God developed in you, the, the deepest part of who you are, that soul. If you're not a Christian, if you've, you've still heard the word soul. It's the deepest part of who you are. This is the foundation of your soul. Amazement. Wonder, the creator of the universe. What he's done. One time, there was a whole bunch of people around Jesus. This happened all the time when Jesus was here on earth. 2,000 years ago, there were a bunch of religious leaders around. And what the religious leaders wanted to do, and they still do, by the way, most religious leaders, they want a way, a formula, a sentence, a one plus one to get to heaven. They want to be able to do this plus this, and that equals heaven. And they've always wanted that, and still preachers will say, in fact, be careful with this preacher, because that's the tendency for preachers to say, this plus this equals heaven. And then you go, okay, well, that's all I have to do. I just have to do this, and then I have to do this, and then now I'll get eternal life. So all these religious leaders were around Jesus, and he was teaching them, and he would say these amazing things that would, with, with, with non-religious people would create awe and wonder. And then the religious people wouldn't hear them. Their life was too loud and they didn't see the amazement. So they would say to Jesus, Jesus, what do you have to do to go to heaven? And Jesus, what they wanted was a list. So they had their notebooks out. And Jesus said, he said a lot of different things. One of the times he said this, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, you have to be like a child. All these religious leaders who pride themselves on not being like children put their pens down. This is the kind of thing that got Jesus crucified <laughs> because it simplifies God for people. And people, as long as God is complicated, as long as you can one plus one equals salvation with God, then you can keep him at arm's length. But as soon as you can say, I don't know, I don't understand this thing, it changes. The truth is, wonder is something you're born with. When Reese rounded that cove, what he felt 
was the depth of his soul speaking out to his body and to his mind and to his heart. And his dad, who was preaching to you about your soul, had such a weak moment of his soul that he couldn't shut up enough to hear from it. I had to have a five-year-old say to me, Dad, before my soul realized how damaged it had been. So wonder is this thing we're born with. But then this happens. Unwonder. I'm making up words today, by the way. So unwonder, and this is just me being really simple. You know me. I am going to be really simple. Unwonder is what happens. It's the thing that happens when the world beats the amazement, curiosity, and marvel out of a person. This is unwonder is what happens when you, when you come into a cove and God brings the sun up for you and your son and you can't do anything but think about the money that you owe somebody or the, the responsibilities at work or the fact that you're now a dad and you've got these responsibilities to grow the spiritual life of your son. And you, This is what happens to humans. So what I want to do in this sermon series is going to last for three weeks unless I decide it wants to go longer. And it just might. i got three planned And here's what I want to do. I want to capture your amazement again. I'm going to call the word, I'm making up another one, re-wonder. Because see, you were born with it. You might say today, it's just not in me. Wrong. But but John, I, I don't even care anymore. Wrong. In the deepest part of who you are, when you were born, God formed you with a sense of wonder, amazement, and awe that the world has replaced with anxiety and frustration and pessimism. And over the next three weeks, we're going to get a deep breath from that. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. If you're a note taker, put the pen down, will you? Somebody restrain Allison, please. If you're a note taker today, don't, don't take notes. Because here's what it does. It gets you to that moment where you think, okay, this plus this equals this. No, this, this is re-wonder. What I want you to do today is, is see something different from God. And I've got to hurry because I've got a lot of things to say today. It starts in Psalm chapter 19. This is what happens. When, we, when, I, when I came out of that cove and the sun ca- finally came up and we caught a bunch of fish and I dropped Reese off at the, at the dock, I went back up and I read this piece of scripture, Psalm chapter 19. God's glory is on tour in the sky. So we'll just start right there. If you feel like you have been unwondered, like the world has beat it out of you, like it's gone in you, then this is where to start. This is why some of the most hurting, frustrated, broken people crave to be outdoors. Even those who don't believe in God or don't think they believe in God, they crave to be outdoors because there's something outside that reminds them of the deepest part of who they are. God's glory is on tour in the sky. God's craft, God craft on exhibit across the horizon. Madam Day holds classes every morning. So if you're looking for something to learn, just go outside. Professor Knight lectures each evening. Their words aren't heard, their voices aren't recorded, but the silence fills the earth. Dad, shh. Unspoken truth is spoken. God makes a huge dome for the sun, a superdome. The morning sun's a new husband leaping from his honeymoon bed. That's a whole other sermon right there. The daybreaking sun, an athlete racing to the tape. Next slide. That's how God's word. You ever heard the word God, the phrase God's word? 
Christians love to use it. They don't know what it means either. So don't worry if you're not a Christian. They, they, they use it. They, they mean the Bible sometimes. They mean God's spirit sometimes. This, this is what the psalmist says. He says God's word, God's word is this thing in the deepest part of who you are that speaks to you, that makes you feel amazement and awe. That's how God's word vaults across the skies from sunrise to sunset. Melting ice, scorching deserts, warming hearts to faith. The revelation of God is whole and pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. I'm going to jump right into this today. I want to show you something that's changed the way I think about God. And even if you have, have been unwondered and you're looking for rewondered, even in the worst part of, who you, of what's going on in your life today, I believe this has the power to give you some perspective on who you are and, and what, what God wants for you and what, how much God loves you. But I want to start with an astronomy lesson. I'm going to take you back to ninth grade for a minute, okay? So those of you who just graduated high school, thought you were done with all this junk, sorry, just for a moment, okay? Because you need to understand a couple things. You need to remember a couple things about the universe and about what we know, which is not very much, by the way. You'll find out more and more about that this morning. Before we get going, and the first thing is this. We're going to base, um, in just a moment, we're going to watch a video that's one of, one of the most astounding things I've ever seen, and I actually create video for a living. It's not pretty um, in terms of the quality. It's the best quality I could find. It doesn't sound great. It doesn't look great, but it won't matter. Um, This is an amazing piece to give you some perspective on who God is, but it takes into consideration the speed of light. What we're about to do, if you've ever seen Star Wars, you know, uh, in Star Wars, when when, when Han Solo says, warp speed, they hit the button and you see light go by you, you know, and I love that. I love it. My son loves it too. There's just this like light that goes by you. You're in warp speed. That is the idea of being at light speed. You can actually see light going by you. Light speed, science has figured out, is about 186,000 miles per second. Now, I'm not a motorcycle guy, but I think that's faster than John's bike. 186,000 miles per second. That means in one, in one year, this is what a light year is, in one year, going at 186,000 miles per second, 5.88 trillion miles are traveled by that beam of light. Okay? I know this is a little bit complicated and it's early for science, so I just want to tell you, I, you need to hear this this morning, that this is how fast light moves. It's an amazing thing. Now, uh, with all that in mind, I want to show you a couple things. This is your subdivision. Yeah, you thought you lived in Paragon somewhere or in Bloomington. No, you know, this is your subdivision. This is the galaxy that we live in. And now what you're looking at, if you go to Google and you type in Milky Way galaxy, you'll see all kinds of images like this. Don't take this for granted because this is not an, this is not an artist rendering. This is not made up. This is actual composited photographs from a space telescope that is giving us going out and looking at the the universe and looking at our galaxy and they stitch this back together if you've ever used photo stitching on your phone or on the computer this comes from nasa originally they develop these this technology that will grab these photos and put them together to give us a big picture and that's what you're looking at you're looking at what we believe is this is the best thing we can create to say this is what our galaxy looks like. That's the Milky Way. And then remember, 186,000 miles an hour life tra- light travels, and it takes 100,000 light years to get from one side of the Milky Way to the other. <laughs> Just let that sink in for a minute. That's ridiculously huge, unbelievably, unfathomably large, 
And if that's our subdivision, then our cul-de-sac, you see the little arrow that I've created there? Our cul-de-sac, our solar system, where we've got Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, and then Pluto got left out recently. Have you heard about that? Poor Pluto. Somehow they've decided that he doesn't belong. Boy, you just, I see him out there rotating, just going, hmm, not a planet anymore. But no more Pluto. For some reason, we don't acknowledge Pluto as a planet. But he's still out there. I don't understand. But it's all going around. And here's the thing about it. I can't eat. We live somewhere in our cul-de-sac is so Somewhere in that part of the subdivision, we're not even in the center and you wouldn't want to be. We're actually between bands of the, the solar system, or between the bands of the galaxy. If you were over just a little bit, if the Earth was, or over this way a little bit, we'd all be gone a long time ago. So we are just positioned perfectly in the middle of our subdivision. And our cul-de-sac is so small on this picture that I, can't, I couldn't even show it to you. In fact, here, this will give you some perspective. This is the kind of thing I need. If the galaxy... The Milky Way was North America, where you live physically. If it was North America, the solar system would be a quarter. You see? So the solar system, that little dot, would be a quarter on the entire North American continent as it relates to the Milky Way. And, see all those little dots up there? Those are stars. You know, you look up at the sky, you can see those. There are billions, with a B, not hundreds of millions, billions of stars. If you and if I were supposed to, if I was going to go up here right now and start counting them, one, two, three, at one every second, it would take 2,500 years for me to count all the stars in our solar system, or in our, I mean, our galaxy. Now, here's the here's the most mind blowing thing about that: our galaxy is one of what scientists think are hundreds of billions of galaxies. That bill that you owe doesn't seem so big right now, does it? I want to give you just a little bit more perspective. And I've never done this in my entire preaching career. What about what I'm about to do? I'm going to show you a six-minute video. And I, uh, my pre- time up here is precious, so I don't give up video time very often. I'm going to show you a six-minute video right now because I, I think this is going to give you some perspective. And I'm going to come back and speak to you about how big God is in your life today. Tanya, you want to try this? Turn off some lights if you can. Let us travel now at the speed of light, departing from our home star on a trip across the cosmos toward the edge of the known universe. Our imaginary journey begins at midnight on January 1st when we prepare to launch into space at the speed of 186,000 miles per second. We quickly pass the orbits of Mercury, Venus, and span the 93 million miles that separate the Earth from the Sun in just 8 minutes 19 seconds. We continue on, passing Mars, then the gas giant planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. Finally, after five hours and 31 minutes, we race past Pluto and its companion moon. Our journey has taken us more than three and a half billion miles. 
to the outer limits of our solar system. And it's still January 1st. Now we alter our flight path and travel in a direction perpendicular to our galaxy. Behind us, the nine planets and the sun quickly vanish from sight. The emptiness of space is broken only by the light of stars so distant they do not yet appear to move. A year passes, then two years, three, four years. Finally, on April 19th of the fifth year, we reach Alpha Centauri the nearest star to our solar system. We have traveled more than 25 trillion miles and our journey has scarcely begun. We are now 10 light years from the sun, far enough out in space that the stars within our galaxy appear to converge. 100 light years from the sun, Patterns of gas and nebulous material from the arms of the Milky Way fill our view. 1,000 light years. The galaxy's arms and disk become more defined. Yet it is not until we have traveled at the speed of light for 100,000 years that the entire spiral shape of the Milky Way is recognizable. From here on, each point of light we see is no longer an individual star, but an entire galaxy composed of billions of stars. Five million years after beginning our journey, the Milky Way is seen as part of a cluster of about 30 galaxies, known as the local group. Fifty million light years out, we encounter the large Virgo cluster containing more than 2,000 galaxies. And so it goes, as our travels continue to take us deeper into the cosmos. We pass cluster after galactic cluster, each a building block of a far greater framework. A billion years pass. Five billion. Finally, after ten billion years, we decelerate and pause to observe a theoretical view of the universe's large-scale structure. Countless billions of galaxies are now seen to comprise chains, masses, and thread-like structures that stretch across the cosmos, separated by enormous regions of empty space. It is a spectacular tapestry, so vast and diverse in its design, that the power of its creator must truly surpass all human understanding.
10 billion light years at 100 miles per second. And we still, that's all we know. We don't even know past that. We can't even think past that. We know there's more. I didn't do this today to make you feel small. I did this today to show you how big God is. You think he's going to play games with you? Hey God, if I do whatever I want on a Friday night, can I just come to church on Sunday and make it all good? Did you see that? You think he can't see through that? Hey God, if, 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 I, if I just do this plus this, and if I can just do a little bit of this and then a little bit of this, is it okay if I just do all this over here? What? The Bible says God did that for you. See, when I give my kids something, Reese asked me for a Nerf gun for Christmas last year, and it was like $6, and that's all he could talk about. What do you want for Christmas this year, buddy? I want that Nerf gun. It's $6, bud. I could buy you a bike. I could get you. All I want is that Nerf gun. And when I, when, he, when I went to go get the Nerf gun, I just thought, this is what he wants. And then I looked up, and it was for, for $33, there was a Nerf gun. And my thought was, I know that's what he wants, but I'm going to buy him the $33 one. And he unwrapped it, and I felt like a good dad because I bought him five times what he asked for. And the God of the universe did that so that when you go through the junk in your life, when you think it's out of control, when you think you can't make it, when you think there's no hope, there's no peace, there's nothing more than this, all you have to do is walk outside and see that the creator of the universe loves you more, and people say this all the time, more than you could ever imagine. Do you have a little different perspective on it now? I love Isaiah chapter 40. But I would never want to read this without showing you that first. Isaiah says this. Have you been paying attention? Have you not been paying attention? Have you not been listening? Haven't you heard these stories all your life? Don't you understand the foundation of all things? God sits high above the round ball of earth. The people look like mere ants. He stretches out the sky like canvas. Yes, like a tent canvas to live under. He ignores what all the princes say and do. You thought the world's going to hell in a handbasket because of something our Washington, D.C. people made a decision about? You posted something on Facebook about how we're all going to die and America's going to be destroyed because of something humans made a decision about? I bet you'll never think of it the same after watching that video. The princes, the people that think they're in the charge, they got nothing on the creator of that. He ignores what all the princes say and do. The rulers of the earth count for nothing. Princes and rulers don't amount to much. Like seeds barely rooted, just sprouted, they shrivel when God blows on them. Like flecks of chaff, they're gone with the wind. Next slide. God doesn't come and go. I'll stop right there. The God who made that doesn't come and go. Not because things seem hard. Not because you did something you weren't supposed to. That God is too big to come and go. Too big to get his feelings hurt. He's bigger than you thought he was. 
God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out. He doesn't pause to catch his breath. We need a deep breath. God doesn't. And he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired. He gives fresh strength to dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. Don't ever go to a Bible bookstore again and buy a plaque that says, for those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength like eagles without thinking about that video. That this is not just a sentiment. This is not just something to get you through a hard time. This is the creator of all of that. None of Scientists have no idea how any of it was actually created. They all have thoughts and they all have... But when in the long run, if you really nail them down, they all say the same thing. They say the same thing that the, the poet Moses said when he wrote Genesis. They all go, huh. The best molecular scientists, the best neurosurgeons, the best astronomers, NASA, when it all sits down and you put them in a corner and you say, yes, but if you had to bet your life on it, what would you say? They all say the same thing. I don't know. Because only the Creator knows. And those who wait upon that God. Some of you took God and you, you shrunk Him down so you could put Him in your pocket. You love pocket God. Pocket God's easy because when you need him, you can take him out and say, go get him. And then once he's done fixing your problem or fixing your moment, you gather him back in and you put him in your pocket. The problem is pocket God isn't real. He didn't create all this and he will not fit in your pocket. And when things get really hard, you come back to church and you say, but the peace that passes all understanding the preacher's been talking about, I don't have it. And I say, because your pocket God doesn't work. That God? If you wait upon that God, He will renew your strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. Romans chapter 8 says this. And this is my question for you today. See, I told you you didn't need to take notes. If you're listening online, I'm going to put that video out. I know you could hear it, but you couldn't see it. I'm going to put that video out on the website so you'll see it with the sermon. We've got a lot of people listening online. But here's my challenge to you. Just straight between you and God today. The God, the creator of the universe. So what do you think? With God on your side, like this, with this God, not your pocket God, with that God on your side, how can we lose? Do you think anyone's going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Now, those of you who feel guilty right now over something because somebody has imposed on you the wrong Jesus kind of Christianity, there is no way, not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. What if you believed it based on what you saw today? It would change you. I'm going to ask um, graduates to come on up here for a second. If you're graduated, 
I know this is embarrassing. Hogan's gone Amish on us. Check that out. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Wish I could pull that off. Charlie, Shelby, are you graduating high school, really? Yeah. That's ridiculous. You guys come on over here. Morgan's coming down. Is this everybody? I know you don't want to stand up here, guys. I promise I'm going to make you, lo- make you do this long. Huh? Connor's at his dad's. All right. Morgan's coming down just a second. So here's the thing about this, guys. Here's what happens to all of us. And, and this is, I'm going to speak to them. And as soon as Morgan gets down here, I'm going to speak to her. But I want you guys to hear this too, because here's the thing about us, all of us. I'm going to wait for Morgan for this. There she is. She's going to hate this. Morgan, I'm sorry. We've got to have you up here just for a second. You're going to hate this. I know. It makes your mama so happy, though. Congratulations. So uh, before we leave today, you didn't get to see all this video, Morgan. She's been up there doing the hard work with the babies. But before we leave today, and as you guys go out into whatever the real world is, I don't know what that is, but people say that. As you go out into the same world that we all live in, but you just have to pay your own bills, the, I want you to know that you've got an opportunity that all of us had, those of, you who, those of us who have been where you are and have been young at some point, hard to remember we all have this opportunity to take god that we saw today the big god and decide what we're going to do with it what are we going to do with with that god i'm not talking about pocket god i'm not talking about the pocket god the one that we kind of make small and we use him when we want him and then we put him back in when we don't want him that god you can do whatever you want with because he's not real and it doesn't work so you do whatever you want with that god but if you want if you want to do something with the big god the one that we saw this morning on this video then here's what happens as you get older the things in your life get bigger. The bills get bigger. <laughs> the relationships, believe it or not, they get bigger. The, the stakes get bigger. And I don't mean just the meat. I mean the, the, things, that, the, the things that are at, at hand get bigger. You're, all of a sudden, you be, your responsibilities get bigger. Everything gets bigger. And what happens, the natural thing that's happened to all of these people that are sitting here right now that love you and are watching you, it's happened to all of us at one point in our lives where we have said, yes, all of those things have gotten so big, and God seems to be getting smaller. And the bigger our life gets, the smaller God gets. And I'm just going to tell you right now, some of you are going to college, and when you get to college, God's going to start seeming small. He's going to start seeming like it does, he doesn't matter, like it's little, like he could just fit in your pocket again. The truth is, if you can keep God big, if you can remember that God, the one we saw today on that video, the one that created all of this, it will change not your religion. It will change not your church attendance. It will change the amount of peace that you have in your life. So Shelby, I don't know what you're going to do with the rest of your life. now. I don't, I don't know what you're going to do. Charlie, I don't know what's next for you. Hogan, besides going on that Amish show, I don't know what's next for you. Morgan, you're, you're going to be the first women, woman's NBA basketball player in the men's league. But other than that, I don't know what's going to happen to you. But I can tell you this. The truth is, it doesn't matter. You know, people say this all the time. I know, God says, I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, not to harm you, to get a hope and a future. And we all want to go, yeah, but what is it? Is it this job or is it that job? Is it this city or is it that city? And you know what God wants? He wants you to go, I, I don't care. I, I'm more concerned about who you are than where you are or what you're doing. And that all starts with a big God. So here's what I'm going to pray for you today. And then I promise you can get off the stage. This is really annoying, I know. But I want you to see these people who have made God small. And I'm going to offend you for a minute, but you know it. We've all done this. 
We at some point have understood how big God is. We have got the wonder, and then the unwonder has created God small again. And we've thought we have to tackle these things on our own, and we put them in our pocket. Today, I want you to look at these people, and I want you to see that they're praying for you not to be successful. That, that happens or it doesn't happen. Whatever, whatever terms you have. They're praying for the peace that comes with knowing that God. So that's what I want to do. I want to pray together, and we'll close our eyes. You guys, they're not looking at you anymore. If you close your eyes, let's pray with them together. God, in this moment, these four stand on the stage with the same doubts that we all have. Sometimes we believe this stuff that we just saw today, and sometimes we don't. Let's just be honest. These four stand on the stage today with some of the same problems that we have where when we leave this building, we want you to control it, but then when things start to seem a little bit out of our control, we take over the wheel again and we start leading in places and pretty soon you're little again. God, would you right here, right now, would you make this a moment they don't forget? Whatever they do next, would you make this moment the moment they don't forget, the moment they say God stays big in my life no matter what else comes in? And this group of people, We'll keep them accountable. We'll keep praying. We'll keep loving. God, we thank you for the way you love us. We thank you for being big enough to take care of these four that we love so desperate. And we give them to you in your son's name. Amen. All right. Love you guys. Hey, don't go anywhere yet. We're going to have a, uh, yeah, you can go now. I'm just hugging you. No, you're going to hug us. No. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. I'm giving you a hug sideways. She doesn't want to touch me. It's all right. So after, after our service today, you can go back there. There's cupcakes and there's drinks and there's food. And um, that's where Morgan will probably punch me in the face for what I just did. Today, band, you guys can come up. Today, I'm just going to ask you, this is real simple. Normally, I have four or five of these things, and somebody's taking notes, but I, I'm just going to ask you that today, how big is your God? How, how small have you made God in your life? I'm going to put this video back out on the website, so you'll see it this week with the sermon. I, I, there's all kinds of stuff. If you just type in how big is God, there's all kinds of stuff on YouTube. All that kind of stuff will help you re-wonder a little bit, but the truth is, you can get the wonder back. The question is, what are you going to do with it? So how big is God today, and what are you going to do next? I'm going to go right back there in that corner. I'd be glad to pray with you today. I'd be glad to help remind you, help you capture the rewonder today. Stick around with us, if you would, and just spend five minutes and just hug these guys. Morgan won't hug you, but she'll pat you a little bit. You saw it. Um, give them a hug. Say congratulations to them, and, um, and do that after the service. But I'm going right back there. This is just between you and God today. How big is God to you? If you've created a pocket God today, give it up. Because the big guy.